brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to What a Creep, the show with Margot Donahue and Sonia Mansfield talking about creeps from the past to the present. This is your quick guide to the biggest creeps, jerks, assholes, and losers, the best of the worst. From two nice ladies who want the world to be a little less creepy. Welcome back to What a Creep. This is Margot Donahue, and my cohort in creepitude, as always, is the amazing Sonia Mansfield. Hey, Sonia. Hello, my friend. Hello, my friend. And we want to say hello to our friends at BBC Radio, Podcast Radio Hour, BBC oh, hi. Four. Oh, hey. They had us on their show for International Funny Women Podcasters Day thing. I forget the actual name of it, but it was it's the Podcast Radio Hour. And we spoke to Laura and Julia and just talked about the podcast and they did such a nice job and they fixed put us together with other podcasters from around the world and just thank you guys so much for that we really appreciate it yeah what a huge honor to be on that list with all those awesome fabulous lady podcasters and to be on a show that's out there for international it makes me feel fancy funny love it such a confidence boost like <laughs> women I am like, I'm all of these things. I'm going to treat. <laughs> if you want to listen to that interview, you can get the BBC Sounds app for your phone. Check it out for yourself. Podcast Radio Hour. If you want to support the show, we have a Patreon page. And I want to say hello to our newest members, Lauren, Helen, Amy, and Jack. Hi, you guys. Thank you so much for joining. Welcome. What's happening out there? <laughs> I'm so sorry, you guys. My neighbor's dog went crazy when I said Patreon. But we have bonus episodes on our Patreon page, so please check it out if you're interested. I want to thank for the people who gave us five-star reviews on iTunes. Abby Lucy, 2001, 123 Fake Street, and BDAMCO. <laughs> I love going to 1234 Fake Street. That's awesome. Thank you guys for We're leaving. gonna rock on to Fake Avenue. 
You can find us on social media. We have a basic Facebook page. We never really use it because people just go there to complain about our language. We should say that we do use salty language. So remember that. Fuck before we yeah. Listen to the show. Fuck yeah. We have a private Facebook group if you want to join. That's where Sonia and I are the most interactive. You just look for What a Creep podcast group on Facebook. Ask to join. And if you don't look like a creep, you'll pretty much get in. On Twitter, we are at CreepPod because somebody had what a creep for 10 years and never used it. Creep. We're on Instagram. We've been upping our Instagram game. So please follow us there as well. And we have an email, whatacreeppodcast at gmail.com. And at all those places, if you have ideas for creeps and or non-creeps, that would be amazing. Reach out there. We also have a website, right, Sonia? We do. It's at whatacreeppodcast.com and you can find out everything you ever wanted to know about our podcast, but we're afraid to ask. It's got all of our old episodes and a link to our merch shop. And people have been sharing photos of our merch in the wild and it looks so good. There's tote bags and t-shirts, journals. I love it. It looks so good. And I have bought a few things through the shop myself, and I can testify that the shirts are really soft and comfortable. So today's creep that we're talking about is a Bay Area creep. And this Bay Area, I mean, San Francisco area. And what we do every week, if this is your first time listening to the show, Sonia and I take turns talking about a creep, and then we end the show with somebody who is not a creep. And so, Sonia, who are we talking about today? We are going to be talking about Dan White. And I want to list our sources right off the top. It is uh, the documentary, The Times of Harvey Milk, which, by the way, you can find on HBO Max. HBO Max is the bomb. Mm -hmm. Or it is also on the Criterion channel. So if you have either of those, you can watch it. I highly recommend it. It's awesome. Uh, The San Francisco Chronicle, ABC 7 News, SF Weekly, MrSF.com. Washington Post, The New York Times, AP News, and Wikipedia. We have some real nutbags that have been, that's an official term, <laughs> nutbags, have been elected to Congress in the past few years. Uh, most recently, we have this woman named Marjorie Taylor Greene, who was elected to the 14th Congressional District in Georgia. And she promotes all these crazy conspiracy theories, and she posts things on social media about, like, executing Democrats And recently we've had several members of Congress that have actually tried to bring guns into the Capitol building. Mm -hmm. And another representative has had to like submit legislation banning members of Congress from bringing guns into the Capitol building. This really upsets me because it reminds me of Dan White. And I think people will say like members of Congress are overreacting and like someone on Congress isn't going to show up with their gun and kill a bunch of people. And then I say, have you heard about Dan White? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Dan White. He was a city supervisor in San Francisco in 1978. And after a disagreement with the mayor and his fellow supervisor, Harvey Milk, he brought a gun into city hall and he murdered two people. That was including the mayor, George Moscone and supervisor Harvey Milk. Like I said, the first the country's first openly gay man ever elected to office and a very famous figure in the national gay rights movement. So you'll forgive me if it doesn't sound that outrageous that an elected official would murder people in the Capitol building. So let's start at the beginning. Daniel James White was born September 2nd, 1946 in Long Beach, California. He was the second of nine kids. Catholics. I'm one of them. (laughs) 
nine yeah. kids. This will surprise no one. He grew up in an Irish American working class family. <laughs> hey, oh, sorry. Hey, oh, <laughs> he grew up in the Visitation Valley neighborhood in San Francisco. And if you, you're curious, also known as Viz Valley, it's like the southeast part of San Francisco. So it's like the part that's closest to Daly City. White's father worked as a firefighter. Uh, but he died when Dan was 17 years old. White attended Reardon High School, but he was expelled for fighting in his junior year. And then he went on to attend Woodrow Wilson High School, where he was actually valedictorian of his class. That seems like a really crazy year for him to go from like getting kicked out of school to being the valedictorian. To but being the smartest. Uh, oh, my God. The, I know. Wow. He he wasn't a dummy. He wasn't mm-hmm. he wasn't a dumb dumb. He just. He's a creep. After graduation, White enlisted in the Army in June 1965, and he was a sergeant in the 101st Airborne Division in the Vietnam War. That's from 69 to 70. And he was honorably discharged in 71. And that's when he moved back to San Francisco and decided to be a police officer. And this stuff is all good stuff. Like he actually he quit the force. He had reported another police officer for beating a suspect while that suspect was handcuffed. I'm like, is that wrong? (laughs) Like, apparently that's a wrong thing to do, right? It's not common, I don't think, for cops to, like, report on other cops. I if if cop TV shows have taught me anything, that's a big no, no. So he left the police department and then he joined the San Francisco Fire Department. Now cut to 1977 and San San Francisco made all these changes to their elections. They decided that supervisors would be elected by district instead of citywide. So if you live, I live in Glen Park, like I would vote for someone who would then go to the city and represent my neighborhood. So Dan Wyatt was interested in running to represent District 8, which includes the Outer Mission, Portola, and Viz Valley, where he grew up. And at the time, those were, they're more conservative neighborhoods, you know, mainly like working class Irish mm-hmm. uh, neighborhoods. He tried to get some help running his campaign, but uh, most people weren't interested because he hadn't run for any kind of public office. He wasn't like a well-known neighborhood activist, really. So people were like, thanks, but no thanks. And then White rescued a woman and her baby from a seventh floor, a seventh floor apartment fire. It was covered in the San Francisco Chronicle and the newspapers all started referring to him as this like all American boy. And like, he's a hero and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden he became very electable and, and he was really popular in his district. He, he made the rounds. He talked to everyone. He seemed to know everyone. And then he got really strong support from like police and firefighter unions. And he very easily won his seat. And for the first time, all these neighborhood activists were able to unseat these well-funded, well-connected politicians who had been running the city for decades. I don't know if you could tell, like, I kind of dork out about this stuff. I used to cover, <laughs> I used to cover Board of Supervisors stuff when I was a reporter. So I get kind of geeky about it. So I'm trying not to get too wonky. Uh, so along with White, There was Harvey Milk, like I said, the first openly gay person to hold public office in the country. 
big deal, super big deal. Uh, there was a woman named Carol Ruth Silver, and I'm sorry, Sliver, and she was the first women's rights activist to be nom- uh, to win her seat in San Francisco. There was Gordon Lau, the first Chinese American, and Ella Hill Hutch. She was the first African American woman. Really big deal. All of these really like a very diverse group of city supervisors. You know, and then you have Dan White. It's like, hi, I'm moderate Whitey McIrish conservative. guy. <laughs> yeah, it's Whitey McIrish guy. Exactly. You know, and the New York Times wrote that as a supervisor, Dan White saw himself as the board's, quote, defender of the home, the family and the religious life against homosexuals, pot smokers and cynics. I would say the truth is White was a pretty moderate white guy. But that makes him pretty conservative by San Francisco standards. Keep keep in mind, by the way, Gavin Newsom, now the governor of California, also used to be a city supervisor. And people used to bitch that Newsom was too conservative. And wow. he's quite he's quite moderate. Yeah. I, I mean, I think he's quite liberal, but by San Francisco standards, he was moderate to conservative. So I love San Francisco, by the way. I don't change. Don't change San Francisco. You're crazy. So Dan White and Harvey Milk actually worked really well together at first. Uh, in the weeks following their election, they appeared on a number of local talk shows together. They would praise each other. They were actually really friendly. Milk was one of the three people that White invited to his son's baptism from City Hall. But Dan White was definitely overshadowed by Harvey Milk. Like Harvey Milk was a rising star. He was a massive figure in the national gay rights movement and he was just a better politician. Well, he's also, I mean, the charisma scale. It's like yeah. Harvey Milk glows in the dark. When he talks, yes. you're interested. <laughs> he's so interesting. And yeah. Dan White is just like margarine, just like he's a thing yeah. that exists. But compared to Dan, he just Dan compared to Harvey, it's just not a fair fight when it comes to charisma or coming, yeah. you know, I mean, Dan needed Harvey more than Harvey needed Dan. For sure. Harvey knew how to talk to people and he knew how to get shit done. Right. And he knew how to navigate City Hall. And Dan White just didn't. I think you're exactly right when you say like Harvey like glows in the dark. You know, it's like he talks and people listen and Dan White talks and it sounds like like nobody cares. Nobody Nobody cares. They don't want to listen to that guy. And by the way, Harvey Milk wasn't a perfect person. We're not saying that he was he was a perfect person, but he was somebody with a complicated background himself. But just like I, I just said, like he had a smile that just would win you over. Yeah. Yeah. And Moscone, Mm -hmm. the mayor of San Francisco, very charismatic. For sure. And I I did not watch before recording this, the Harvey Milk movie with Sean Penn. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. I saw it when it came out, but I didn't want to like accidentally like I know that they took liberties in that movie Mm -hmm. because it's a movie. It's not a documentary. It's a movie. And that's that's fine. But I just I didn't want it to like. Uh, cloud my mind with right things that weren't like factually accurate so the movie's out there i'm 100 percent sure it is streaming everywhere so if you want to watch it you could totally watch it and it's a good movie i didn't love it like i thought i would but i certainly like parts of it okay so a few months as a city supervisor and dan white was already feeling the pressure 
he didn't really, like I said, he didn't really take to it. And it was a big pay cut from his firefighter salary. So this is bananas to me. I looked it up. City supervisors made $9,600 a year. Oh my God. That is so low. That is so low. Even by 1978 standards, that is so low. Apparently he couldn't keep his job as a firefighter and be a city supervisor. Like that's like two city jobs basically, you know? So like he could have, I think he could have, I don't even know if you could own a restaurant, actually. I think that was a thing, too. Newsom tried to have a restaurant. Anyway, he didn't make any money. And that's that's frustrating. And he's married and he has a new baby and he's feeling the pressure. And then there was this vote on a proposed facility for juvenile offenders. These offenders had committed murder, arson, rape, other crimes, like big, big crimes, not like shoplifting and shit. And the Catholic Church wanted to run this facility and they wanted to open it up in Dan White's district. And Dan White was very opposed to this facility. The Friday before the vote, he went to Harvey Milk and he asked him if he had his vote. And Milk said, this is a quote, Dan, you've really earned your $9,600 on this one, which White took to mean Milk was going to side with him, Mm -hmm. that Milk was going to vote with him. And then on Monday, Milk voted for the facility and White was super embarrassed because he had invited all these residents from his district to come and witness their victory. And there was no victory. Oh, shit. Yeah. And White was super pissed. And after that, he kind of acted he acted like a child. He refused to vote for anything that Harvey supported. So he was like the lone vote against Milk's gay pride ordinance um, or I'm sorry, his gay rights ordinance. Uh, he would talk shit to the media about the gay pride parade, like every chance he get. And then after that, he was just kind of over being a supervisor. So he stopped. He like would rarely come to city hall. He avoided talking to his constituents. And then without consulting anyone, he resigned as a supervisor. So this was on November 10th. I almost said March. I don't know why. November 10th, 1978. He met with mayor Moscone He said he was just tired of the, quote, corrupt inner workings of city politics, and he couldn't make ends meet on that salary, which in his defense is super low. Mm -hmm. Uh, After he resigned, he went home and people were pissed. Like, you know, all the unions, like the police, the firefighters union, they were all super pissed. His constituents were pissed. His friends were pissed. Everyone was pissed because he quit and he didn't because he's not politically savvy, he didn't try to arrange any kind of replacement for him. So the board of supervisors, when Dan White was on it, had this kind of, had a conservative majority. It was like a six, five split, but with white gone, the mayor could appoint somebody and flip that. So he, he really screwed the pooch on that Mm -hmm. one. So white supporters asked him, to go to Moscone and ask to be reappointed. <laughs> Which and he is... did ask, yeah, can I have my can job I... back? Yeah, I stomped my feet and I quit, but I want it back now. It's, what? Yeah. No. It... The fact that, like, they thought that would work is so, like, white guy privilege. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So Mayor Moscone said he would consider it. I just wanted to mention, like, right in the middle of all of this, so November 18th, this is eight days after he resigned, 
um, the Jonestown massacre happened. And we talked about that in an earlier episode and it's a big deal. And, you know, over 900 people died. A lot of them are from the Bay area and Dan White's resignation and his problems seem pretty lame Mm -hmm. to the news. So that his story is very, very overshadowed at this point. And then uh, Moscone, with the support of Milk, decided he was going to pick someone else for White's seat so that they could get the 6-5 liberal majority on that board. And Dan White didn't know that Moscone had made this decision yet. And he's at home, like, chilling, you know, like he does. And he hears from a KCBS reporter that the mayor has decided to not reappoint him as supervisor. So on that Monday morning... Moscone uh, was set to announce his successor. Dan White entered City Hall through a basement window, avoiding the front door metal detector because he was carrying a 38 caliber handgun with 10 extra rounds of ammunition in his coat pocket. This stuff is upsetting, so mm-hmm. I probably should have said there's a trigger warning here for gun violence, y'all. I'm really sorry. He went into Moscone's office and the mayor invited him to talk and White shot him three times. And the last shot he fired was right in the mayor's head. Uh, coup de grace. Uh, is that what that's called? Yeah, it's uh, it's French for, I forget what it's for, but it's it's meant to kill the person. And it's like right on the top of the head. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he would later in his confession say, it was just like a roaring in my ears. And then it just came to me, you know, he just, the small talk like that, it, it wasn't registering. I, and then he says, what I was going to do now and how, how this would affect my family, you know, and just all the time knowing he was going to go out and lie to the press and tell them that I wasn't a good supervisor and that people didn't want me. And that's, that was it. And then I shot him and it was over. So white reloaded his gun. He walked calmly out of the mayor's office and he ran into board of supervisor president, now Senator, that needs to retire, by the way, Diane Feinstein mm-hmm. saw white and she called to him and he said to her, I have something to do first. And then he walked to the other side of city hall to Harvey milk's office and shot him five times, including a shot to the head. White then left city hall unchallenged. No one stopped him. And eventually turned himself in to a policeman named Frank Falzon, who was like a friend of his, former co-workers from the precinct. And if you could go on YouTube and watch clips, it's in the documentaries too. After the shooting, Diane Feinstein has to make the announcement to the press. And it's it's really upsetting to watch because she is, these are people she worked with. They were right? her friends. Imagine having, they were her friends. Like imagine having to go on TV and inform the world basically that this happened, especially someone like Harvey Milk, mm-hmm. who was a rising star, like I said, and meant so much to people. And she says that they were shot, that the suspect is supervisor Dan White, and like somebody actually yells out, Jesus Christ. Right. Like, because it's shocking. Fucking bananas that this would happen. It's it's crazy that something like this would happen. So White confesses to his cop friends. He records a statement in which he acknowledges shooting Moscone and Milk. 
but he denies premeditation. This is despite the fact that he showed up with a loaded gun. Right, and extra rounds. And extra rounds to City Hall that he climbed through a window Mm -hmm. because he knew he couldn't get his gun through a metal detector. This all sounds like premeditation to me. So five months after the assassination, the trial started. White's lawyers claimed that he suffered from depression and a shitty diet. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is a real thing, by the way. Dan White's crappy diet was used in a diminished capacity defense, which is now known as the Twinkie defense. Mm -hmm. By the way, there's no evidence that Dan White actually ate Twinkies. It's just what they were calling it. (laughs) No offense, Twinkies. Please don't sue us. (laughs) It's just, that's just what they were calling it. So they're claiming, yeah, that he suffered from depression and that he ate shitty food. Therefore, he wasn't responsible for his actions, which... I eat a lot of shitty food and I'm still responsible for my actions. What the fuck? The prosecution said that revenge was the motive and played a tape of the confession for the jury, which was made up of straight white people Mm -hmm. that were just like white. And some of the jurors actually cried out of sympathy for Dan White. Yeah. Fucking bananas to me. Who are these people? Okay. The trial lasted for 11 days. And the jury deliberated for 36 hours, and then they found Dan White guilty of voluntary manslaughter, which uh, rather than first-degree murder. Which is bullshit. Total bullshit. So they totally bought the Twinkie defense. And he was sentenced to seven years in prison. So he got seven years in prison for killing two public officials. It's It boggles the mind. So this happens, and it sparked something here in San Francisco called the White Knight riots and that was on may 21st 1979 hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of property damage in the city and to city hall um, and there were injuries to police officers and rioters it also led to the elimination of california's diminished capacity law and white ended up serving five years five years five from fucking murdering two people in city hall and admitting to it five years of his seven-year sentence and was paroled January 7th, 1984. Fearing that White get murdered in retaliation for his crimes, not completely outrageous, it was recommended that he go to Los Angeles. So he went to L.A. for a year. He had a parole. He had parole for a year. He paid his t- he paid paid his dues, paid his dues. He did his five years for his two murders. Fuck this guy, seriously. I know. Also in 1984 is when that documentary, The Times of Harvey Milk, comes out. It's It does really well. It wins an Oscar for documentary. Best in documentary. In 1985, White. Best documentary. What did I say? Documentary. It, just, just, it won just for docu- documentary. It, it was a documentary that existed. It was the only one. They were like, cool, <laughs> documentary. <laughs> it, won. it got to be the documentary. <laughs> Of 1984. Sorry. <laughs> no, you are white. You are I'm right. punchy. It's, lady, it's Friday afternoon. I'm punchy. Yeah.
1985 dan white returned to san francisco and now and the then mayor diane feinstein who is now a senator and needs to retire issued a public announcement of his plans and a statement formally asking white not to come to san francisco but he did anyway and he attempted to rebuild his life with his wife and children it didn't happen because on october 21st 1985 he committed suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning in his garage and his body was discovered by his brother. He had left notes to his wife, his mother, and his brother. And he had called his brother and invited him to the house before taking his life. And he said that the note to his brother apologized for the condition in which his body was found. Mm-hmm. He was buried at the National, I'm sorry, at the Golden Gate National Cemetery in San Bruno. That's very close to here. Mm-hmm. And he received like a traditional, like government furnished headstone. For war veterans. And then I have this little addendum here. So in 1998, that one of the police officers he confessed to, Frank Falzone, he continued to talk to Dan White after he went to jail. And he said that he met with White in 1984 um, after he was paroled. And at this meeting, White had confessed to him that he intended not only to shoot Moscone and Milk, but another supervisor, that's Carol Ruth Silver, as well as then member of the California State Assembly and future San Francisco mayor, Willie Brown. Falzone <laughs> quoted White as having said, I was on a mission. I wanted four of them. Carol Rue Silver, she was the biggest snake. And Willie Brown, he was masterminding the whole thing. Falzone indicated that he believed White. And he said, I felt like I had been hit by a sledgehammer. I had found out that it was a premeditated murder. And that's our creep, Dan White. Very nicely done, Sonia. Thank uh, you. He's it, such a fucking such an creep. asshole. Yeah. I mean, I went to San Jose State, and San Jose is about, depending on the traffic, like 30 minutes to an hour from San Francisco. And yeah. I was on the debate team, not to brag about my credits, but um, <laughs> <laughs> one of my instructors wrote, uh, one of my professors wrote a book about the trial. And it was a self-published book. And it's, you know, a 90s self-published book. It's, it, you know, you had to buy oh, it. what book is it? I can't, I can't remember the name. Sorry. It's okay. It, but it was like, you know, it was in the bookstore and people kept reselling yeah. it every year. That kind of thing. You remember? But people, kids had books. Anyway, when, yeah. you, when you look at, when you read ask the- Ask your parents. Ask, ask your parents about what books. bookstores were. <laughs> yeah. So, first of all, the, the, the police department totally protected Dan White the second he- Gave himself up. So I'm, I'm Frank Falzone. Okay. He's saying his truth, but they knew what they were dealing with. Yeah. And but, he waited like 15 years. Yes. To share the story. Yeah. And, and there's, there's video of him like right after he confessed, where he's sort of bopping around like, yep. Okay. Where am I going? All right. I mean, it just, he didn't give a shit. Also Moscone was the father of four or five kids. Mm-hmm. An incredibly popular mm-hmm. mayor. If you go to San Francisco, there's the Moscone center. That's yes. for me for him. But anyway, the DA at the time was so poorly run that any decent attorney should be able to win that case that Dan White acted with premeditation. Mm-hmm. And it just it was just this this when you would listen to you read the what the what the defense brought, which was 
wacky as shit versus what the DA brought, which was just dull and just there's you never felt these people come to life. And so the jury Mm -hmm. totally responded to Dan White. And also, by the way, Dan White's in the room. They can see him. Yeah. And he's from their neighborhood. And they were it was a white, you know, heterosexual jury. I think they yeah, I think they they had their taped confession and they were just like, yeah, yeah, we got it. We got our confession. And it's like that. That wasn't enough. It wasn't. And it's and people always think that San Francisco and San Francisco is going to San Francisco. It's always been a little edgy, (laughs) but there's always that undercurrent of conservatism there. There are people who were Catholic and religious and raised their families there that don't like gay pride parades or or really, really made a big deal about them in the I remember living in the Bay Area in the late 80s, early 90s and having friends be like, why do they have to have a parade? Where's the straight white parade? Yeah, that's stupid shit. So it's still it was it was a big deal that he killed the first one, the first public any mm-hmm. any anyway, but Dan White was a big. Well, I remember when he died. There was it was that was what was announced in the press, and a lot of people were sort of like good riddance. I feel bad for his yeah, family. Seriously. Yeah, me too. That's not what they signed up for, no. obviously. And no. it, and it's crazy. It's just crazy because there's there's no real sign that that's going to happen, right? You know, it's not like this dude was super troubled his whole life, and then you know, this, everything went to its like logical conclusion. Like he lived a pretty normal life and then this happened. And that's why what's happening now in DC is really scary to me because they're all, they're already like doing and saying things that are kind of crazy, not kind of super crazy. Oh yeah. There's one Marjorie, she had an ad and in the ad there was the sound of gunshots it's, yeah it's like what yeah, it, the, the idea that we should somehow be accepting this as normal is unacceptable to me yeah. it's just unacceptable and I just I feel so terrible for those members of Congress that have to work with these people that have to be in the same room with them like was it AOC was tweeting about Ted Cruz she mm-hmm. was like I'll work with people that didn't try to have me killed by an angry mob. Thank you very much. It's like, that sucks. Yeah. They're just trying to do their jobs. Also, fuck Dan White. Oh, fuck there God. are a million things here named after Moscone and Harvey Milk. Rightly so. I, so lots of lots of schools, the Moscone Center. Yeah. My sister and her husband got married in City Hall in San Francisco. And it's when, beautiful. It's gorgeous. And when you go, you don't know where in the building you're going to go. They just kind of decide on the spot where they put people. Yeah. And so my sister and my brother-in-law, they're at their little space and it's up the staircase and it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And Joe and I, my brother, Joe and I were standing there and we noticed there's a bust and it's Harvey Milk. And mm. we're both like, oh my God, look at that. And we're taking pictures. And so 10-year-old, uh, my 10-year-old niece is like, hey, so Violet, hey, so who is that? And Joe and I both at the goes, Oh, he got killed here. <laughs> and then we start talking and then and my sister goes, Guys, with her Guys. not now. Stop being murder show people. <laughs> I used to work at City Hall, like covering different meeting, you know, board of supervisor meetings and you know, or just different meetings that were always going on there. And I was always struck by how gorgeous that building is. And 
I saw weddings happening there all the time. And sometimes I would just kind of hang around and watch people get married because I'm a creep. No, no because because it was beautiful and it was like yeah. a little happy moment. And sometimes when you work at newspapers, you're surrounded by shitty news all the time. And it's nice to right. see something happy. My sister had a golden retriever at the time and she was a, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? A therapy dog. Ginger. Yeah. And so Ginger had like Aww. her own little flower lays around her collar and all these people so came over cute. to take pictures with Ginger. It was so cute. God, I love it when people have dogs in their wedding I and I'm not just best. saying that because I had a dog in my wedding no it's the best <laughs> it is literally the especially if it's like a golden retriever forget it I'm done yeah I had a wiener dog named Homer and he was in our wedding he wore a bow tie he walked down the aisle it was adorable you can't do that with cats no cats are like fuck your wedding <laughs> <laughs> they start moving they'll start scratching at people's ankles and shit <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting out of here right now. <laughs> Does anyone here object? <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to make my cat do that again. <laughs> she did that on our BBC interview. It was so embarrassing. Anyway, I, I thought it was, I love the I love the idea of like. Does anyone here object? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Guess so. If you were interested, though, of learning more about San Francisco at that time, we at the creep was Jim Jones. If you look for the Jim Jones yeah, episode, yeah. it was one of our earlier episodes, and we have some background there. And yeah, there, it was a crazy time. Also, so the mayor got shot, and just and just a week before, Leo Ryan was a senator who was based in San Francisco, the Bay Area, excuse me, who went to Jonestown That's to right. try to stop him. So there was all this just insane news going on in San Francisco with gun mm -hmm. violence and, and politicians and stuff like that. So it's something that was, you know, we were kids, teenagers when we were hearing about this stuff, but yeah. Yeah. Well, would you like to hear about somebody who's not a creep? Yes, please. Okay. So I decided to do a little crowdsourcing and I went to our Facebook group because it's filled with awesome people. Yes, it is. And they're always giving us suggestions. And so I was like having a hard time finding a San Francisco. So I, I dug, I dug in finding a really amazing San Francisco supervisor. There's been a couple, but I wanted to sort of go in another direction. And one person, a few people brought out, excuse me, and they'd mentioned her before. And this woman is from Scotland. I'm going to get a lot of things wrong with pronunciation. So please don't get mad. Just be amused by it. If I get anything well, wrong. Welcome to my world, Margot. <laughs> I'm already, so her name is Monica Lennon. She's with Scottish uh, Scottish Labor Party. She is the politician there and she was their health spokesperson. She started in 2016 and she's still there now. She's worked in different positions, but at the time she was the health spokeswoman. And in November of 2020, which is just a few months ago, Scotland became the first nation to provide free period products for all. You know, women in, the, in our periods and has always been sort of like, I remember as a teenager, it was like something you were ashamed of. You didn't really talk about it. Yes. It's just, or only girls could talk about it. There's any sort of mention of a tampon or anything. People go, blah, no. Lady stuff, I don't yeah, want to hear about it. And I remember a few years ago, my friend Margot from Book Versus Movie, she was hosting a podcast with a friend and it was very political. 
And she told me a story about there was a girl at a local high school in San Diego who managed to fight for the girls to get free tampons and free pads. And her whole and her logic was, we don't charge for toilet paper. We don't charge for paper towels. Why are you charging Mm -hmm. girls for tampons? Why are you charging them? And the argument was, well, you can just go to the nurse's office. I'm like, okay. Then I have to pull up my pants and I'm bleeding and I got to walk to the nurse's office. You need a note to get to the nurse's office in a lot of places too. You can't just drop in. And she just made her argument like, this is absurd. This is ridiculous. And so so this is what she's done for the... And there's now, because of COVID, a lot of people's uh, incomes have dropped. If they weren't laid off, they lost a lot of hours for their jobs. It can cost, you know, it can cost $10, $15 a month with period products. Like if you have the really good Mm -hmm. stuff that you like, that stuff's expensive. Anyway... Women were being taxed for this, and it's going around this country that they're finally taking the tax off of it because it's a natural body function that 50% of the population has. And anyway, going back to Monica, Monica Lennon, that she just, it's, it's providing free period care, whatever product you need if you're in Scotland. You can you can get this. You don't have to pay for it. it we, you can just that's awesome. Which is right. Which is just treating women like we're not freaks, and just because we ovulate and have our periods doesn't mean that we're weak. And it also like why are we paying taxes for stuff that would never happen to men? And mm-hmm. she did that, and she's still she's still working with the Labor Party, and they had this whole thing in there about independence for Scotland, and I don't understand any of it, so I'm not going into that. <laughs> <laughs> was, I'm too dumb. I but I did wanted to bring that up for her because, and she's with the Labor Party, and I love this um, this quote about her. She's married and has one daughter, Isabella. She is a feminist and a vegetarian. And suffers from as an irrational fear of cats. So <gasps> she can never come to my apartment because my cat smells fear a mile away. Oh. She would terrorize her. Yeah. How sad to be afraid of cats. Especially in Scotland. I, I feel so really sad. cute there. Oh, I feel so sad for her. Yeah. That's awful. When you say free period products, do you mean not just in schools, but like in general? Like it's in general. People- so this See, is that's this that's is, amazing. Yeah, it's countrywide. Imagine if we did that here. There's just we have all these people who are homeless. We have a yeah. lot of encampments. We have shelters. We have women who live in shelters running from like abusive relationships, yeah. things like that. And like just the idea that you wouldn't have to spend money on something like that would be huge. It, there's a lot of shame around it for some weird reason. It's been. Yeah made to be weird and therefore we don't have to talk about it and that's just dumb i think it's just and so i I agree i like the fact that we're no longer making it creepy to talk about your period and having you know whatever your period needs are so people who menstruate in scotland if you are financially struggling you can get products what you need yeah now welcome to our podcast what a period Oh my god! I remember we were we had a sex education class and it was a big deal. You know, some kids weren't allowed to take it, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And we had a teacher. She's like, "Okay, so 
I remember this very clearly. She goes, what do you say when you're having your period? And we're like, on the rag. And she's like, okay, do you know what that's from? We're like, no. Like, women used to use rags as their period pad. And like, God, I haven't, oh, I haven't heard the term on the rag in, in so fucking long. I know that I'm dating myself. I was just going to say, it was like such a thing that like, dudes would say in high school like yep she's such a bitch she's on the fucking rag <laughs> it's like so fucking dudes man they're well, so gross yeah and then we did it to ourselves we like made it feel like it's oh it's so shameful to have your period like having your period at school was the worst it was the worst oh it was awful. it was awful so just to make it less less stigma on it in general is just makes the world better yeah that's a good pick. So thank you. And thank you guys in the Facebook group for your suggestions. And you can email us your suggestions. What a creep podcast at gmail.com. Join our Facebook group. You can do it there. We're on Twitter at creep pod. We love it when you use the Annie Potts gif from Ghostbusters. We got one for anything. You're creep, mm-hmm. you're non creep, creepy news, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Oh, we got a whole bunch of them last week when Pierce Morgan was opening his big fat yapper. We got so many Annie Potts in our our feed. (laughs) I think we're going to have to do a Patreon bonus app just about Pierce Morgan. I think so, too. And this whole, this wedding interview, not wedding, excuse me, but this Megan and Harry interview that happened. I mean, Uh, geez, Louise. So you can, yeah, so visit us at our website, sorry, visit us at our website, What a Creep Podcast. What am I missing, Sonia? Where can they find you? You could find me at the Show.com and the Sonia Show on Twitter and Instagram and occasionally TikTok. I'm I'm trying it out. I'm just playing around. It's a nice little distraction. My screen time went up like 50% according to my iPhone. <laughs> but it's uh, but it is a lot of fun and I can't guarantee that, that I'll stay there, but it's I'm screwing around with it right now. So you could find me there where can people find you margo you can find me on social media at brooklyn fit chick for twitter and instagram my blog is brooklynfitchick.com and if you like the sound of our voices we also co-host a show called dorking out and right now if you're looking at it you could see gone girl we just had a discussion about gone girl and our next episode is going to be the warriors come, come out and, and play, play. <laughs> We are so excited about this, you guys. So be sure to subscribe for that. And uh, in the meantime, sign up for your vaccines if you can get them. Practice social distancing. Stay at home if you can. And don't be a creep. Creep. Thank you for listening to us talk about creeps. You can follow us at What a Creep Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But don't follow us too closely. You can email us your creepy stories at whatacreeppodcast at gmail.com. But please keep your dick pics to yourself. (laughs) 